0: Well, good morning church. How's everyone today? Great day to be here. Amen. It's a great day to be here. So I'll be out of town the next two weeks and the first week of July, your new campus minister starts. So (laughs) right, Aubrey, starting long time coming. So I just want to just take a minute from the bottom of my heart and thank you guys for how encouraging and friendly and welcoming you've been to, to us and It's been a blessing to be here these last few months filling in, and uh, we'll still be around. You'll still see us from time to time, but I know you guys are going to love and support the new guy, Jed, when he starts. I've heard great things about him, and hopefully he'll be serving you guys for years to come. So that's something to look forward to, right? So today, we're going to continue in our series on the book of James, and this series will wrap up next week with Father's Day, but we've titled this series, A Faith That Works, And we've said that it's a faith that works in us, it's a faith that works through us, it's a faith that works for us, but ultimately, it's a faith that works for the glory of God. And you remember our slogan. Our slogan is, if Jesus has made a difference in your life, then your life's going to look what? Different. It's going to look different than what you see in the world. It's going to look different than what you see in our culture. And hopefully, if you're a Christian this morning, your life does look different. Since Jesus has come into it. So picture this you're in a hurry. The alarm clock did not go off this morning, and you've lost some time. You get dressed, but you eat breakfast right after and you spill milk all over your clothes. You guys had mornings like this? More time lost. You get in the car, it won't start, battery's dead. So you get the car jumped, and the blood pressure's rising, and you get in the car, and as you're driving to work, you get behind somebody going 35 on the highway, and there's no way to pass them. I've been there, how about you guys? Finally, you get into town, and as you're getting to work, you hit every single stoplight on the way. I'm sure we're all the picture of patience when this is occurring, right? We're very peaceful inside. You know, USA Today published a report several years ago that said that running red lights accounts for 250,000 injuries a year and 800 deaths. And another article says that running red lights each year accounts for seven billion, that's billion with a B, dollars in property damage, medical bills, lost productivity, and insurance rate hikes. We are a society in a hurry for everything, right? You all agree with me? We're in a hurry. We got to get there. Things have to happen fast. And we're really not that interested in waiting even the slightest amount of time for much of anything. Today's title is A Faith That Works When You're Patient. And we're going to be in James chapter 5 verses 7 through 11 if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there. So You've seen the bumper stickers, please be patient, student driver, right? We've all seen those on cars, usually they're yellow or orange. And that's what we're talking about today, being patient. Our society is not patient. We have things like instant mashed potatoes, one minute rice, hot and ready pizzas, TV dinners. We have entertainment services that we can stream thousands of shows just by pushing a button. We have our phones where we can instantly access emails and bank accounts and any information we want to look up. And what happens when the signal's slow? We lose our minds, right? It takes two minutes to look at something that maybe we would have had to drive across town to see not that long ago. Companies like Amazon offer two-day free shipping. But when that package doesn't arrive at the end of day two, we're furious, right? And we think, it's never going to come. We live in the world of right now. And because of that, having patience in everyday things is sometimes a challenge for us, isn't it? It can be difficult for us to wait and be patient. And it's an even bigger challenge when we're suffering or when we're facing some sort of adversity in our lives. But when we're not patient, man, that's when we run into trouble, don't we? You know, you can make a lot of mistakes when you're not patient. One man said it is better to be patient than it is to become one. (laughs) Lack of patience can land you in the hospital, right? We're going to talk about a very specific kind of patience this morning that James writes about in James chapter 5. And let's start reading here. James chapter 5, verse 7. James says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. So, for a moment, do we have any farmers in here? Anyone who grew up farming? A few folks? Well, put yourself in the shoes, well, the boots of a farmer, right? Farmer can't really do anything to control the growth of his crop. Really. I mean, think about it. There's a lot of stuff in farming that's outside of the farmer's control. He can't control when it rains. He can't control how much sunlight his crops get. He can't control uh, the temperature. He really can't do much to heavily affect the growth. He can't prevent bugs, bugs all bugs. He certainly can't prevent all animals from eating some of his crop. He can't even guarantee that the little seed he plants is going to grow into something. So when he plants, the farmer has to wait and he has to hope and he has to pray that things will turn out and that his crop will grow. Can you imagine being a farmer without patience? Man, that'd be a rough existence, wouldn't it? That'd be tough. But there are so many times when all of us non-farmers are in the same position as a farmer. Because there are so many things outside of our control. Think about that for a minute. There's so many things you and I just have no ability to control. And sometimes problems we face, we have to be patient in those problems when we can't control them. We can't control a stock market dive, right? We can't do much to control a housing drop, Even in relationships, sometimes friendships or relationships can fizzle, and maybe we don't really know why, and there's nothing we can do to control it. Maybe the car won't start. There's nothing I can do to fix that. i got to take that somewhere else. That's outside of my control. Uh, we We can vote, but really we can't affect politics and policies all that much individually. Gas prices go crazy all the time. We have little to no ability to affect those things. And in our individual lives, sometimes we face problems that we have literally no control over. So what do we do? In those situations, James is going to tell us we have to patiently endure. We have to wait on God. And we have to look to him. He goes on in James 5 verse 8. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Boy, that's a big temptation for us, right? To grumble. Do we have any grumblers in here? You know, some of you are honest. I appreciate that. Me too. We grumble. when, When we have a situation where we need to exercise patience, and maybe it's a situation we didn't create and we can't control, it's our tendency as humans to grumble. The New Testament uses this word in other places, and it's translated there to groan or to uh, sigh. And James says, in the midst of your suffering, do not do this. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Do you believe that, church? Yes. Jesus is coming. Can I get an amen? amen. He's coming, and Jesus is listening. And the same Jesus that we have in our lives every day is the same guy who said in Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. In other words, don't sigh and groan, but rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These very prophets, whose James is talking about here, in his example here, he goes on in James chapter five, verse ten, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Job in the Old Testament. Suffered a lot, didn't he? He went through so much. Satan threw so much at him. Took everything he had almost. And he did nothing to deserve it, did he? But Job came through this test with flying collars. He didn't curse the Lord in the midst of his suffering. But even though it was undeserved suffering, Job remained steadfast. The Bible says in Job 1.1 that Job was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. But that didn't spare him from suffering. It didn't spare him from dealing with great, unjust suffering. But he endured it. He stuck with God anyway. He patiently waited. And we read at the end of Job, things turned out pretty well for this guy. Job 42, beginning at verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, four generations. And Job died an old man full of days. So what specific patience is James talking about here in James chapter five? He's talking about the patience of a farmer, the patience of a prophet, and the patience of Job. And this kind of patience, this is our first point this morning, is patience of a very specific kind. James is telling his readers, and he's telling us today, we need to be more patient people. Do you agree with me? We need to be more patient. Are you a patient person? Who's patient? One, two, all right. It's better than first service, I'm just kidding. We need to be more patient. I will tell you, I will confess to you, and there's no need for an amen from this section, I'm not a patient person. This is an area in my life where I struggle. But thank God I'm surrounded by folks who are very patient because I need that. One of the most difficult times for me to exercise patience is when something gets in the way of me getting somewhere I need to be. When a problem comes up that slows my progress, that I really struggle to exercise patience. Long lines at a store, right? Somebody going the speed limit in the fast lane on the interstate. That's not what that lane's for. <laughs> now, that's not a legal opinion, that's personal opinion. Let's get that straight. <laughs> road construction, man. Road construction, long waits. Those things drive me crazy. And I need help in those situations to become patient. But it seems like I sure get plenty of opportunities to try, right? But we're a society that we want instant problems to our solutions. And in an effort to fix a problem as quickly as we can, sometimes we make bad choices. And when we get get impatient, we can make very costly choices. We don't always understand why we face the problems we face, do we? But we can learn from Scripture and even from past experiences in our own lives. When we face struggles, oftentimes there's a a lesson in those struggles God wants to teach us. So rather than getting mad and grumbling and sighing and moaning like James tells us not to do, maybe as believers we need to be focused on asking God, Help me get through this and help me learn the things you wanna teach me. When we face problems, so patience, instead of always looking for the quick, easy solution. Here's a news flash I need to learn. Not every problem requires an instant solution. A lot of problems are best suited if we take time and pray. And we listen for God and we meditate with God and we leave time for God to intervene and we ask his spirit that dwells in us as believers, we ask his spirit, God, give me clarity, give me direction and help me address this problem the way you want me to, rather than the way I want to that might be instant. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine says this, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who's quick tempered displays folly. So one of the things James is teaching us here is we need to be more patient people. And secondly, we need to be as patient as others as we want them to be with us. When I asked a little bit ago, who here likes to be patient? Not many people responded. Let me ask this question. Who wants someone to be patient with them? Yeah, there's more hands, right? That's what we want. And even Jesus says, do unto others as you'd have them want. Do unto you. Amen. That's right. So we we need to be as patient with others as we hope that they will be with us. Because I need a lot of folks to be patient with me. Maybe you're the same. The nurse told the doctor that there was a man in the waiting room with a very unusual condition. He keeps shrinking right before my very eyes, she says. He's an inch shorter than when he came in here just 15 minutes ago. The doctor said, Well, I, I'm busy. Tell him it'll be a few minutes. Ask him to be a little patient. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I saved that one for the last week. We sometimes don't exercise patience with each other, do we? Sometimes we don't exercise patience with other folks. And sometimes if we just exercised a little patience then we might see a big difference in the outcome. An old Chinese proverb says this, if you're patient in one moment of anger, you will avoid 100 days of sorrow. I think I read that on a fortune cookie one time. But it's easy for us to fly off the handle sometimes, isn't it? That's the easy part. There's no reward for getting mad. That's easy. Where it's difficult and where it's a challenge for us and where we need to work so many times is stepping back and being patient in the situation. When people interrupt us, they give us negative criticism, they speak harshly toward us, they hurt somebody we love, the world, this culture we lives in, live in says what? Hit them back harder, right? Get back at them, get it, get it right. But you know what? God calls us as believers to something entirely different. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 2. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We need to be patient with one another. We need to be patient with other people. Instead of getting angry and flying off the handle, we need to ask God to help us in the way we respond. And help that person too. We need to be as patient with others as we hope they're patient with us. And then also we need to be as patient with others as God is patient with us. God's patient with me. How about you guys? Amen. God's very patient with me. The the first the, the New Testament Christians were told this, and we're told this in Ephesians 4:32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We need to be as kind to others as God is to us. You know, if you look at James chapter five, this section of scripture we're talking about today, there's a heading and it says pain in suffering. But I think that title needs to be a little more specific because I believe what James is really talking about here is pain in unjust suffering. Has anyone ever suffered unjustly? Have you ever faced an unjust problem because of a situation you didn't create? A circumstance you can't control? Some, a decision you didn't make for things that weren't your fault? We've all suffered those situations, right? Some of us more than others. You know, some, some suffering comes to us because we deserve it for decisions we've made. Maybe bad choices or actions we took or uh, sins we've, we've committed. And sometimes those things come back. We all understand that. But what about the circumstances we didn't control, the situation we didn't cause? What about the person who's never smoked a day in their life, but they end up with lung cancer? What about the the person who's never had a drop of alcohol, but they still end up with cirrhosis of the liver? What about the Christian who turns the other cheek, just like Jesus says, only to get slapped on the other side of the face? You know, there are plenty of folks in the world willing to take advantage of Christian grace. And it's the Christian who suffers for that. And sometimes when we patiently endure, we end up unjustly suffering. And it might be more than a swollen face or a bruised ego. And we ask in those situations, where are you, God? What are you doing? Do you see this? Look at, look at what's going on in Haiti right now. Armed gangs have taken over the country and women are being raped and children have been killed. Where's God in that situation? Where's the justice there? Ukraine. There's bombing going on all over the country. I heard on the radio this week that there's now been 500 children killed in Ukraine. All because one man wants more territory. Where's the justice in that, church? In this country, we have mass shootings nearly every day and we question whether it's even newsworthy because it's so commonplace. Where's the justice in that? Mingo County, a sheriff's deputy, killed in the line of duty just doing his job. Where's the justice? Where's God when things like that happen? We ask those questions. And wherever he is, why doesn't he do something about it? Skeptics say if God is so great and he's so good then why does he allow so much suffering to go on? And if the Bible's true and says in this in Proverbs 15:3 the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. And Psalm 34:15 says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. If all that's true, which we believe it is, then where's God in those circumstances? Why doesn't he provide justice in an unjust world? Think about Joseph from the Old Testament. you remember Joseph? He was his dad's favorite, right? And because of jealousy, his brothers sold him into slavery, faked his death, sold him into slavery, and he becomes a slave. And then he's at Potiphar's house, and he does what's right, but he gets falsely accused, and he's thrown away in jail. And he goes through all this suffering unjustly. But you know what Joseph did? He stuck with God, didn't he? He never stopped following God. And things turned around for Joseph. He ended up being second in command, only second to Pharaoh, and was able to help his family, that very family who'd wronged him, and all other kinds of people because of his position. We have in this country a justice system that I work in every day. And I have to tell my clients, your case isn't about what happened, it's about what we can prove happened. And guess what, sometimes justice doesn't prevail in this world, right? We live in an unjust world. And James's audience, we've talked about them all year in this series, think about them. They were Christians scattered, we're told, because they believed in Jesus. They were Christ followers. And they were being persecuted and killed and injured and suffering all kinds of stuff because of their belief in Jesus. And what does James preach to them here in James chapter five? Patience, patience. Even in the face of total injustice and evil, be patient. He told the Christians of his day and he's telling us right now, be patient in the midst of unjust suffering. James 5, 8, again, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. This is patience of a very specific kind. And secondly, it's a kind of patience that blows this world's mind. For 2,000 years now, Christians have been saying, Jesus is coming, right? Jesus is coming again. We even say, Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe Jesus is coming? Amen? Amen, he's coming, we believe that. In 2 Peter 3, 4, Peter writes this. Where is this coming he promised? Of course, Peter's prophesying what the world will say. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And we live in this day right now where people make fun of folks that hold up the signs and say Jesus is coming soon. And they say, why are they saying that? They've been saying that forever. When's this coming supposed to happen? But when we say things like that, and when the world says things like that, we forget what Peter went on to say in 2 Peter 3.8. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So maybe if Jesus hasn't come in 2,000 years, that's just a couple of days on God's timetable, right? God is not bound by our definition and limitations of time, Amen? amen? He's not bound by that. And one day, Jesus will come, and he will bring his reward with him. And we read in the last chapter of the New Testament, in Revelation 22, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And if you're a Christian following Christ, take a deep breath And take confidence in that statement. Because that is a beautiful thought. Christ is coming soon. His reward is with him. And he will give to everyone according to what he has done. That's a blessed thought for those who have remained patient in the face of injustice. But it is a bone-chillingly terrifying thought for those who have caused those unjust times the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. You ask where the justice is? Here it is. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. You believed. You've patiently endured. Even in the midst of suffering, even unjust suffering. Why did you do that? Why does the Christian do this? Well, it's because of point number three. We've discovered the kind of patience that only those who believe in Christ and Christ's return can hope to find. We believe Jesus is coming again. James preaches patience. He teaches us and encourages us and and he's looking at his original audience and he's saying, in the face of this adversity, in the face of this suffering, I'm pointing you to the second coming of Christ and he's pointing us to that same event as well. I mean, do you really believe to the point that you can patiently, steadfastly keep enduring whatever this world throws at you, all the injustice we face without grumbling, without moaning, without sighing? I mean, how do we handle difficult times? How do we handle those times when we're down and we just feel like everything is unjust? Is there anybody who needs to turn that frown upside down? My dad tells my girls, don't trip on your bottom lip when they're upset, right? Maybe we need to have a dose of that in our lives as well. Do we patiently endure? Because the world needs to see that in us. If as Christians, we look as downtrodden and depressed and out of it as the world does, then does our life look different? No, but we've been called to have freedom even in those times because of the God we belong to. Your struggle, your situation, your trial you're going through right now is not the end of your story if you're a Christian, amen? You've got better things coming. Apostle Paul said this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So if you're facing a struggle right now, if you're facing an unjust situation, somebody else's decision has put you in. If you are a Christian, then what you're dealing with now, I'm not minimizing it at all because I know we deal with really struggle, really big struggles. But no matter what that is you're facing, it does not even begin to compare with how great things are going to be that side of eternity, amen? That's what we have to keep in mind. This world, and we were not created in this world to have a peaceful, happy existence here. We are here to get prepared for what's to come there. And we have to remember that. God's goal, as we read in our focus time, is that all will be saved and come to repentance because he wants us with him for eternity. Hebrews 3.14, the Hebrew writer says, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And Church, if you're struggling, if you're downtrodden, that lip sticking out, think about the promises God has given you in his word, that you belong to him, Yeah, times here are tough. We're promised they're going to be tough. Nowhere in scripture does it say the Christian will live a happy, prosperous, peaceful existence. In fact, it says just the opposite. No matter what you're facing, remember, if you stick with God, if you endure, just like we saw Job do, just like we see Joseph doing, just like James is describing, you will have a home in heaven where all will be made right. Galatians 5, through 23, the fruits of the Spirit. We read the following. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, patience is a fruit of God's Spirit that as baptized believers we have in us, Right? And that is, a, that is a fruit that we grow over time and we live. And when you have that, that patience in you, it's a blessing to us. And it's a blessing to all those who are around us. Eugene Patterson writes this. He, he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. and he, I want to share this quote. One aspect of this world that I've been able to identify as harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. We assume that if anything can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. Our attention spans have been conditioned by 30-second commercials and 30-second abridgments. God promises he's patient with us, right? And for the Christian, Here's the definition of patience. Patience is allowing God to do what he says he's going to do. But it has to be done on his timetable, not ours. God isn't bound to work in a time of a 30-second commercial. He's not bound or limited to work in a 15-second YouTube ad. Boy, those things get on my nerves. How about you guys? And they scare me too because they're just right there, you know? But that's not the way God operates all the time. Sometimes he does. But we have to remember, God's timetable is not ours. He knows best. He sees the end game. And this is one area in our lives where we can't be focused on the right now. But when we're dealing with situations that require us to be patient, we need to be focused on the fact that our God will do what he says he will do in his time not ours. So do you lack patience? Many of us do. If you're not a Christian, the best way to start working toward being a patient person is to come to Christ, be baptized into him where you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That spirit, that fruit of the Spirit will be there to guide you and help you. And God will make you more and more like the man or woman he wants you to be. If you are a Christian, maybe it's time to spend some some quality time meditating with God, praying to him, asking for patience because we know that we're always going to be works in progress this side of eternity. But We can live this life knowing we have a home forever with him. And when we live life through that prism, everything else here seems a little less important, doesn't it? Amen. We can have the kind of patience that's a very specific kind, a kind of patience that blows the world's mind and a kind of patience that only those who believe in Christ and his return can hope to find. Do we have that patience today? Here's our challenge this week. Pray to God. Pray for him specifically in the struggle you're dealing with right now to provide you with patience, to help you patiently endure so that you can continue even in the midst of your struggle to be a light for him to this world. And we'll end this sermon the way we have all of them before, by asking the question, has Jesus made a difference in your life? And if he has, then your life is going to look different. And that includes the way you patiently endure in times of trouble. If you're not a Christian, I want you to listen to me this morning. Jesus Christ paid a huge price for you on Calvary. He died in your place for your sins. And he did that so he could make a difference in your life here, but most importantly, in the life to come. If you're not a Christian, prayerfully consider becoming one today. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, we thank you for this lesson on patience that I know I needed probably more than anybody here in this room. God, I pray that you be with our hearts and help us to be patient people. Help the world not see us as folks that fly off the handle because we're impatient, but help us instead, Father, to to be seen as, as folks that rely on you, that look for your direction in the ways we respond, folks that look to you in the way that we live our lives. God, I just pray that you help us endure whatever we're dealing with right now, Father, not that the things we're dealing with here aren't struggles, But help us, Lord, to realize, as Ephesians tells us, they're nothing compared to what you have in store for us. God, I pray that you be with every heart here today. Change us. Help us, Lord, to be better examples. Father, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, I pray that they will make that decision before it's too late. Thank you again for your son who makes all this possible. It's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. We now move into our response time. And if there's someone here who's never been baptized into Christ, we'd love to talk to you about your next steps. If you are a Christian and you're looking for a church family, we'd love to talk with you about that as well. Or like I say, if you have good news or bad news, we're here to share that with as well. Here to celebrate with you, pray for you. Whatever we gotta do, we're here for each other. So if you have a need, I'll be right down here as we stand and sing.